All right, we're grateful to have uh, Brother Board with us. For those of you that are newer, I, I, you, I don't think we understand. If you talk about the history of our church and, and how we got to this point, you really can't tell the story without Brother Board. Um, I still remember Brother Board was our first anniversary. You came out to visit. You and your wife stayed at our house and um, was checking us out. He had a burden for, for the Cambodians, and then he moved out here. I also remember, i got to tell this story, when uh, we had, my wife and I, we had you and your wife over on, New Year's Day to watch the Rose Bowl. And Washington was playing Iowa. My wife is from Washington, so I was rooting for Washington. And Brother Boy, you're from Iowa, right? Yeah. That was my favorite game of all time. It was over at halftime. It was like 45 to nothing. Iowa was getting creamed. And Brother Board's like, yep, time to go. Here we go. So, but, but Brother Board, he, he's, he, he, Pacific Baptist Church is Brother Board. And we appreciate, and now what he's doing in Cambodia, and we're just, we're so thrilled to have him with us and glad that whenever he's in the country, we get to have him. And so we're thankful for him. And Brother Board, why don't you come? Well, God is good, amen? And it's all about the Lord. And thank God for the Lamb of Calvary that came down from heaven to make tonight possible, amen? That was the gospel message that was just sung right there. You know, it's funny, um, it's always great to come back home, but there's always so many people that we don't know, and that's a good thing. If we came back and every time, Brother Montgomery, everybody was in their same spot, and every, you know, it was the same people that were always here, that kind of church has a problem. There's so many of you that we've never met, but so many of your children that we should have met when they were real little, and now they're big, and we don't recognize them. But we sit back, we look at them, um, we're like, okay, that one right there looks like brother so-and-so's kids. Surely it's got to be, you know. I met the Pineda kids uh, this week, and I don't remember which one. But here's a funny story. You know, kids are strange, right? But let me tell you what one of your kids said to me this morning in a men's bathroom. Now, how many of you know men don't talk together in a bathroom, right? But he didn't get the memo. Not like you ladies. Ladies typically have a little lounge in there and chairs and a latte machine and a whole deal. It's where they fellowship, right? Men don't talk at all. We pretend like we're in there all alone, right, Brother Ivan? Yeah, I'm, I, it's, it's true. Now, so this little guy, he's walking in there to do his thing, and he stops mid, midway right there, and he stops and he looks at me, and he says, Hey, are you new around here? <laughs> And so, <laughs> hi, Sister Hong, nice to see you. And I said, yeah, I am new. And what's your name? And, and then he, you know, I found out his name. I don't remember what it was. And, and, uh, and uh, I told him my name. And he said, well, what are you doing here? I said, well, just here checking it out. And then I said, well, I'm a missionary to Cambodia. And, he, and this is what he said. He said, oh. I said, I want to be a missionary when I grow up. Now, by the way, the, the habit that we have of having the children come and invest their finances, hopefully not mom and dad's finances, but their finances into the missionary offering is a biblical principle that we can anticipate several years from now some of these young people serving on the mission field because the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's a very good discipline for us to do. Anyway, so then today, later, no, that was yesterday, today, the same young man, we assume, Stops my wife mid, in the middle of the hallway over there. Hey, are you new? And she said, yeah. And then he caught on. He said, are you with that missionary from Cambodia? So we got it all set. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, we have a lot of memories here. 
as the Brother Nick was leading the song, Oh, It Is Wonderful to Be a Christian, I remember teaching our church that song probably 20 year, more than 20 years ago. Yeah. It was a brand new song for us. Okay, Now it's not. It's awesome to be here. Um, what we're going to do right now, our time is very, very short, and so we're going to uh, respect the American culture of being time-oriented, okay, rather than being Bible-oriented, okay? Jesus didn't have it. Oh, well, okay. I'm just messing with, for those of you in the college who know what I'm talking about. But, um, so we're going to watch just a five-minute video. Typically, a missionary's update video is not five minutes, but when we leave here in a few weeks, we're going to Hammond, and their rule over there is five minutes, so I don't want to violate their rule, okay? So we'll stick with, right with five minutes so that we can be the good, faithful, obedient missionary, okay? You can't say much in five minutes, so we jump from one topic to the next topic, but it's not because of you all but it's because of other places, okay? And then the goal tonight, uh, we'll read a couple verses on the screens here to save us time. Then I want to challenge you and encourage you and let you see some of the fruit of your prayers and your finances that you're investing in missions. And I want to say on behalf of our family and our team uh, in Laos, Thailand, Cambodia, thank you, church, for being faithful. Thank you for being consistent. Thank you for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So we want to encourage you this evening, okay? You have a lot of people here that preach the word of God, and Lord willing, they exegete it properly. Tonight, I'm going to do something they can't do. It's tell you firsthand stories, testimonies of how God's grace, how the gospel is changing lives right there in the dark country of Cambodia. All right? We okay with that? Yeah. All right. Let's get prepared, guys. Get the video going. Hello, we're Dave and Debbie Board, your missionaries to Cambodia and Southeast Asia. We want to take a brief moment and update you on some of the things the Lord has been doing since the last time we had the opportunity to be with you. Four years ago, God allowed us to purchase a rice field located at the edge of Phnom Penh. By God's grace, we were able to see a church building constructed in just a year and a half. We thank God for this building that allows us to have a home base for our growing ministry for years to come. Through it, we believe that we will continue to see souls saved and new churches planted here in Southeast Asia. One of the greatest blessings that we have experienced here on the mission field was to see two of our sons married in this new building. After graduating from Bible college, Joshua married a faithful young lady in our church. So Nick and her family were reached with the gospel through our family in 2010 and it is a great joy to have them serve alongside us in the ministry. This past year, the Lord blessed Joshua and Srinik with a wonderful son named Benjamin. After graduating from Bible college, our youngest son, Jason, married a wonderful young lady who was saved more than 10 years ago through the influence of a soul winner here at our church. Jason and Nisa served together in our children's ministry here in Phnom Penh. The Phnom Penh Children's Ministry has provided the opportunity for many of the young couples and single adults in our church to learn how to love their own people, win them to Christ, and then to have a part in helping to disciple them to spiritual maturity. One of the greatest needs amongst young believers here in Cambodia is to learn biblical principles that relate to marriage and family. The new church building provides the opportunity for us to have special times of discipleship where the ladies can be taught about marriage and motherhood. Our married couples have also enjoyed the opportunity to fellowship together in our new building, as well as to be taught how to build their homes on the Word of God. 
It is a great joy for us to see so many of these young believers hungry to grow in their walk with the Lord and to see their children know Him from a very young age. The Bible College and Institute classes are an effective tool to train and equip the next generation to know the Word of God. This term, we have approximately 50 of our members enrolled in classes. We anticipate having five students graduate at the end of this year. It's been a joy for me to have a part in the spiritual growth of some of our college girls through teaching various classes in the college, as well as leading a weekly Bible study. This past year, the Lord led our church to start a Christian academy in order to train some of the children of our faithful members. We recently broke ground on a new educational building that will provide adequate space to train many more young people for the Lord. Join us in praying that the school will also become an effective tool that results in reaching many new families in our village with the gospel. By God's grace, we have been blessed to see the gospel reach into the Muslim community through the church plant located an hour from our Phnom Penh church. After sacrificially giving in a special offering to purchase the supplies, our members joined together for a work day and began construction on a new auditorium that will allow this congregation to grow. Our goal is to have this building completed by the end of this year. In July of this year, we were blessed to see a fifth church planted about three hours from our church in Phnom Penh. Join us in praying that these new believers will grow in their faithfulness to the Lord and that despite the persecution that they are already experiencing, they will be bold witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. As you see the faces and hear the voices of God's people singing here in Cambodia, please know that your prayers financial support are bearing fruit and it's our desire that it bears fruit to your account. Thank you and the Lord bless you. God for the power of the gospel, amen? That was weak. Thank God for the power of the gospel, amen? Yeah. So my favorite part, folks, my favorite part of that video, obviously, was when I got to show our grandson. Because grandchildren, Pastor Myers, change your life, amen? And you have, what, 18 of them? 14 of them? 16. So I was speaking prophetically, this time next year, you'll have 18. Okay, well, let's wait and see. But uh, thank God for that. But um, I want to tell you briefly, um, our church here helped to invest... Um, in the educational building, uh, several months ago, you sent a gift to help with that. Um, and that building is being built not with money from within Cambodia. 
We don't have the capacity to build that building. Um, at the same time that we're building a church auditorium an hour away near the Muslim village. And so the vision that we cast to the church was this, that we will ask for prayer partners and for financial partners to help contribute. And you guys were one of the first. So thank you for helping uh, to invest uh, to get part of that building up. Now, on the other hand, the building that you saw physically being built is a church auditorium um, located about an hour or so from our new land, and it's ministering uh, to both Khmer people as well as Jom people. Now, Khmer are primarily Buddhist. Jom and Cambodia are primarily Muslim. But God's doing a great, great work. Uh, perhaps Sunday morning, if the Lord wills, I will share a testimony or two about some of the Muslim folks who recently have come to Christ and of the impact that the gospel is making there in that unreached field of the Muslims of Cambodia. But that building right there, I'm super excited to see what's going on. We cast vision for the church to do what they could and what they should do to take care of putting up that building. Now, what you may not know is that a church is hurt whenever outsiders always pay for everything. Now, we could just park it there and talk about ministries who have been given buildings overseas in the third world and people didn't have to sacrifice financially and trust God and see God work miracles to provide for their needs and they've just had Americans or Australians basically pay for a building. We didn't want that. We believe that our people there, no matter what their income is, and the income, average income in Cambodia is approximately $300 a month. Okay, you might say, well, that's pretty good because it used to be 35 Yeah, well, when gas is over $4 a gallon, milk is over $8 a gallon, rice has quadrupled in price since we've lived in Cambodia, okay, $300 a month is barely, barely surviving yeah. for one person. But we believe that our people have the same God that we have here in America. Amen? And we want our people to be challenged. And we said, listen, okay, don't worry about the educational building. This is something for the future, for our future generation. We're going to use it to train disciples, use it for the college, the whole deal, reach young children through the school. But the church building is our responsibility, and here's the deal we made at the church. It said, if each of you will do what you can do, what God can do through you, and you'll raise, you'll give enough money in the one-time offering and the six months of uh, commitment giving, then I will commit to raise the money for the roof. And the roof is the most expensive part of the building. Okay, the, the roof, all the metal, all the, um, the drop ceiling, the wiring that goes in the roof, that type of a thing. And so we came up, didn't, didn't do six months of stewardship teaching, preaching, just simply cast the vision and said, listen, this is your people, this is not my people. The gospel has changed your life. Do you want to have a place in that village to where our believers there and the lost can be saved, the believers can gather, the lost can be saved? If you do, do what God wants you to, get to do. Okay? Well, we came up to Offering Sunday, and you know, I knew in my heart and my mind, basically, I got together with a couple of our guys, Brother Vong and, and one of our national men, and we figured out, okay, the number of bricks we have to purchase, the concrete, the whole deal. So to put up the basic four walls, okay, not including a balcony, not including any windows, not including any doors, and no tiles, no electric, just basic walls, we needed around $8,000. So that was the goal. Now, it's a day of anticipation for the church members because they don't know how much is going to come in, but it's really a day of anticipation for me and for our leaders. Like, oh, good night. What if this doesn't happen? Well, we took up the offering. 
It was a great service. Lots of zeal, lots of joy, lots of, lots of uh, just people crying as they gave. And we did not get $8,000. But instead, we got over 17000 Praise God. Yeah. That's the power of the gospel. Amen? Amen. And so um, I think in that the initial offering, uh, nearly 8000 maybe, maybe or maybe it was 9000 came in. But folks are giving their, their monthly commitments and each week giving. And that's very, very important for the church in Cambodia to do that. And so thank you for helping to make it possible for our family and for our team uh, to be there. And um, we want to uh, be able to give you a brief update this evening. Now, in Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ... For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel. We know what the gospel is, but you know the gospel is not readily understood by everybody who claims to be a missionary in Southeast Asia. There's a lot of missions work going on. There's a lot of churches that don't know anything about the gospel. Several months ago, Cambodia had celebrated the 100-year anniversary of the gospel coming into Cambodia and having the Bible translated. 100 years. And that's a great earmark. 100 years is a long time. Okay? Brother Keogh's not even 100 years old. He's getting there. Okay? 100 years is a long time. But you might say, well, in Cambodia, the gospel's been there for 100 years. The gospel has been in the Philippines for um, about 100 years. Okay? So why is there a great uh, difference in the number of, of converts in the Philippines or a place like Mexico versus Cambodia? And a lot of reasons we can talk about, okay? But Cambodia is located in what we call the 1040 window, which is also known as the resistant belt, okay? Resistant belt. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, understand that the 1040 window is the home to the world's majority of Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims and animist religions and to um, believe the gospel and to turn to God from idols many times automatically means losing your culture, turning your back on your ancestors, being ostracized, in some cases having your name erased out of the family book. That's why it's called the resistant belt. But there's another reason why the gospel and the Bible has been in the Cambodian language for 100 years. And if you research on different things online, you'll see that true Christians, they'll give a number of about 3% Christians in Cambodia. But you've got to understand, the majority of those 3% include the cults, include the wacky, crazy, charismatic groups that don't preach a gospel, from the Bible at least, and involve Catholicism. Okay, and very, very few, I heard this number quoted recently, point, I believe it's 0.03% are actually born-again Christians in Cambodia. The gospel hasn't lost power, but there's a lot of churches over there that don't know anything about the gospel. You know, when you send out a missionary, you pray for them, you give for them to go, it's all about the Great Commission, the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And church, you need to know that's what our team is committed to preach out there. We're not there to preach politics. We're not there to preach about preferences. We're there to preach the one way for man, sinful man, to be reconciled to God. Thank you for partnering with us. But it's the gospel that has the power. 
I'm wondering, and I asked this question to the college students this morning, I'm wondering, have you seen that the gospel has made a radical change in your own personal life? Sometimes we grow up in Christianity, maybe we make a profession of faith at a young age, we don't come from a life of, of, uh, of the occult, okay, of, of dealing with idol worship, and we haven't paid any price for our faith. And So my question tonight, before we get into some testimonies, is the gospel has made a great change in hundreds of people's lives in our churches there in Cambodia, and it's evident, the joy in their life, the zeal, the contentment with what they have the willingness to suffer persecution for the cause of Christ. But I want to ask you, as my friends and my family, has the gospel made that kind of a change in your life that you recognize that really the Lord Jesus Christ is the only thing worth living for? The challenge I gave our college students today was this. Listen, if the gospel has made a radical change in your life, is that change substantial enough for you to be willing to set aside your ambitions, your goals, your future dreams, and be willing to consider how God could maybe use you in a place where the darkness reigns supreme, where there is no gospel light? Lord willing, we'll talk about this on Sunday, but Cambodia does not have the light of the gospel in many of the villages that we're going into. For many of the people, Brother Keel, Brother Vong, Brother Buna, Adrian, myself, the national men that we work with, when we go and we preach the gospel, we present the gospel, they've heard the name of Jesus many times, but they have no idea what the gospel's about. You see here, we're surrounded by by light, gospel light, all around us. Thank God for what God's doing here in our midst. It was an encouraging meeting with Pastor yesterday as we talked about just what God's doing here in the church and and the growth and whatnot and even new bodies coming, okay? Thank God for that. New homes opening up, okay? Bus ministry whatnot. So our city is surrounded by light. We're flooded with light. We have hundreds of lights right here in our own church. Hundreds. You're going to have to try really hard to knock on a door here in the Long Beach area, and meet someone who has never met a Christian in their entire life. I would almost bet you, you couldn't do it. But we can knock on doors all day, every day, in Cambodia, and Laos, and northern Thailand, and you'll meet people who may, may have heard the name of Christ, but they've never met a Christian. Now, if we say the gospel has radically changed our life, well, has it radically changed it enough, parents, for us to allow, indeed to encourage, our children to pursue a cause like the Great Commission? Don't be a barrier. Don't be a barrier that would prevent the next generation, these young people, from surrendering to foreign missions. Now, I just want to stay there for about an hour and a half, but we don't have time, okay? Remember my promise to, to, uh, to honor the time here. So the Apostle Paul here, you know, he's writing from house arrest to a church, to believers, to friends of his in Philippi. He established this church 12 year, 11 years previous, and he writes here, he says, For I'm not ashamed, whoops, wrong verse, here we go. I thank God, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. By the way, this is his prayer He's telling the church in Philippi, when he prays for them, this is what he prays. He prays with a spirit of of joy, remembrance. Every time he prays, he says, I always pray. My prayer always is for you, making requests with joy. 
By the way, a little caveat here. It would be good as church members that when our leaders, when our pastor prays for us, and I know he does, that he can pray with joy and thanksgiving and not with sorrow. Be the, be the type of believer, be the type of church member that brings joy to the people that are responsible to preach the word of God to you, right? That was free. We'll go back to the verse here, okay? And he thanks them for this, verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, your partnership, your fellowship in the gospel. Understand when we say fellowship, that means this cause of Christ in the third world, specifically in Cambodia, Laos, and Thailand, we are fellowship together. We're partners together in that thing. Okay, we always say fellowship means like two fellows in one ship. Right? The ship goes down, both of them go down together. Hey, your team and the churches and the gospel there in Cambodia are dependent upon you fellowshipping with us. Thank God for the finances. Thank you for that. There's a fellowship of prayer also. See, the spiritual battles are not won through finances. They're not won because we build buildings. A building is a luxury. A building here in America is not necessary in order to have a successful church. It's a luxury what God's given to us. It's a tool that we're responsible for. Thank God for those who have given sacrificially for many years to make it so we can sit here in this comfort. But it's not a necessity. Okay? But thank God for your prayers. Thank God for your encouragement from the first day until now. Now, quickly, when I say first day, this is what we looked like in 2003 when we left, okay, when we were sent out. And that picture there on the left was taken in the old auditorium in front of the white facade wall, okay, to the right of the pulpit. I don't know if that wall is still there or not. But here's the interesting thing, guys. I know you, you, um, you uh, may not recognize this. Now, obviously, my wife and I look exactly the same as we did 20 years ago, okay? But here's the interesting thing. We realized this week I'm wearing the exact same tie that I'm wearing in our prayer card from 20 years ago. See? So you can recognize me anywhere with this tie, all right? So I want to throw that in here. But um, so when we, when we um, went there to Cambodia, um, went back in 2010, um, we, I'm going to try to pare down here because our time is fleeting. Um, we planted a church in a, in a downtown area, and about five years ago or so, as you heard in the video, the Lord opened the door, okay, uh, through partially through some supporting pastors, just kind of provoking us and challenging our faith to say, hey, are you going to continue to rent the rest of your life? And Brother Vong's vision, and, you know, Brother Vong's kind of a pushy type of a guy anyway, just push, hey, when are we going to buy, when are we going to buy? And I would have never bought I'd still be renting downtown, and we'd be in a bunch of trouble because the rent continued to go up, and, you know, we would all had to quit the ministry, and I don't know, done what. But thank God for pastors in America. Thank God for Brother Vong and some other folks who had that vision, and the Lord allowed us to do that. But here's the thing. When we bought the land, we had to buy land far enough outside the city, the, the downtown area, that we could afford. And so we bought land... Um, almost to the minute, one hour from where we planted the church. Now, in our church planting class here in the Bible College, whoever is teaching that, I hope we don't teach Brother Esposito that plant a church and then buy land or rent a building an hour away, because it usually doesn't work. Now, by God's grace, it worked wonderfully. Yep. 
By God's grace, during the two years, basically, of lockdowns there in Cambodia, we spent 18 months of that building our building, got it done. We didn't have the inspectors you all have. Okay? Now, the truth of the matter is, your building is not likely to fall down. I have no guarantees about our building. Okay? <laughs> no, we've, we've <laughs> we talked to the right people and whatnot. But we've been able, by God's grace, to be able to have a building there, land that we own, land that we can't be kicked off of, Lord willing, just because a landlord doesn't like our perspective or because he's of a different, you know, persuasion, whatever. And um, thank God for that. But that, that location there in Trapanstnau um, is simply a headquarters to see more churches established, new villages reached, new disciples made, and uh, new people sent out. Uh, number two that we see there, Stungman J, that's about an hour, I don't know, hour and 45 minutes, hour and a half from our new land. And that's a very difficult area. Pray for Stungman J. Pray for Brother Mun and Ganya who are leading that area. It's very difficult. Uh, it's a very, very poor area. But it's not difficult because it's poor. It's difficult because that area where that church is planted is surrounded by dozens of fake churches by dozens of NGO groups that pay people. Check this out. Churches in that area pay people to attend their church. They say, you want to be a Christian? I'm sorry, you want, um, you want, uh, you want a job? Or you want uh, us to pay for your children to go to school? Yeah, we want that. You need rice? Yeah, okay, come be a Christian, and we, we give rice to Christians. Now, when our soul winners go out and meet people, we say, hey, you're going to die and go to hell or heaven? We don't say it that simply. But we're giving the gospel. And that area there in Stungman Jay, there's been some talk even recently, should we close that church so we can devote more effort? We're running very low numbers there right now. Probably a good day in that location maybe be 30 people. And it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of effort for our national folks to keep those 30 people content because they're constantly surrounded by, hey, come to our church, we'll pay you. Okay, and a lot of those people are newer believers. So we have that ministry there in Sungman J and in Santhright. That's where the building is being built and where our folks gave uh, the commitment of $17,000, reaching out primarily to the Muslim folks there, but also to Khmer people. And then we have Trapang Thum, which, by the way, was reached because a lady from, Kimbo, uh, from, from, from uh, where are we at here? Long Beach, okay, 70-some-odd-year-old lady came to visit us in Cambodia, got some of our gospel tracts, went at, up to Thrapangtham to go soul winning by herself in the forest. Okay? And God used her and her heart for the Lord and her love for those people to really open up the door there. Uh, today we have a church that um, typically on the weekends will run about 50 or so. We began a midweek service there about a month and a half ago. Uh, we have workers that travel up there every Thursday, come back on Friday, and then another set of workers that travel up there every Saturday, go back up on Sunday. Soon, Lord willing, we'll have a pastor and his wife established there in about 12 months is the vision. They'll be there 24-7. So we started this church, particular church, in 2010. And I want you to see that um, we started with about 30 people. Remember the average size church in Cambodia is 18? When we met with the landlord, we said, hey, can we please rent this building? Pretty sure we'll never have more than about 20 people total on a property at any time. 
And I really believe that. Well, first Sunday we had 30. That's your first Sunday there. 2018, you see uh, one of our celebration services on the roof of our rented property. 2018, we bought the land. And now this is where God's allowed the headquarters to be established there. Some of you will come on a missions trip in March. You'll be able to see that property. By the way, pray about coming on a missions trip. That was really weak, but I'm going to say it again. Okay? Pray about coming on a missions trip. Okay? You say, well, I'm not in Bible college. That's okay. You're part of the church here. You give to missions. You have the right. In fact, I would almost demand that they allow me to go on that missions trip because I want to see the faces and I want to see the buildings and I want to go to the villages that I've been praying for and investing in. You ought to demand it. Okay? You ought to make it so Brother Ross is, you know, he's stressed out trying to get enough tickets to accommodate all of us. Okay? And then we'll let Brother Vaughn be stressed out figuring out how to transport all you people and I'll just sit there in a church building and wait for you all. Okay? It'll be great. All right. But we thank God. You, you, you saw in the video the, um, the little tarp, okay? Brings back uh, memories of the old tarp days, right? That's the, first, the, the fifth church plant. You saw the dog going in and out. Well, that's how we start churches. We don't have buildings and whatnot, and that's where God allowed us to start it. But that church there um, is brand new. It's about eight weeks old at this point. And um, each week, two different times a week, we have church members, uh, lay folks that travel three hours one way to go uh, do discipleship, do soul winning, uh, meet with the believers, and then on the weekend, hold the services, and help to pray about that ministry. Okay? Swai Thong. It's an area that is uh, very, very dark and in need of the gospel. But I want to spend a few minutes here talking about one of our primary ministries. Okay? You, don't, you shouldn't start a church with children, but once you have a church going, if you ignore children, you have no future. Well, you'd be surprised how many churches Debbie and I go to around America that we'll be in in the next few weeks that have maybe sometimes a handful of older people. And by the way, when I say older, that, that moves up another decade every few years, right? Older to me is like around 120, okay, right? Are you there? You're about 130, right, somewhere around there? Okay, whose age? Jerry's age. Now, see, I didn't say that, and I don't agree with it, but it was funny, right? But how many churches in our country here have almost no young people whatsoever? No young couples? No children? If they do have children, the young children are there with the grandparents. Thank God for all the young people here. This is very, very important. For the future of our church, this is the heart of God. Families. Okay? Um, a lot we could say about that. But one of our main emphasis that we, um, that we use there in Cambodia to reach the lost is the children's ministry. Now, we have three primary goals that I want to share with you briefly. Number one, of course, to get the gospel to children. Okay, how many of you know children have souls? They, have, they will spend an eternity either in heaven or in hell, and children are able to understand that they're a sinner. Right? Yep. Nobody has to teach them right from wrong. They know God's law is written on their heart. They know lying's wrong. Yeah. They know stealing's wrong. Right? And so the gospel uh, is going to children in each of the locations where we're ministering. But this is here at our, at our headquarters area. And we have a children's ministry there that um, typically runs, I'm thinking, um, 80 to 90 kids 
Maybe on a high day, it might be 100. Now, I wish we were running a solid 100, and it started out at 100, but after about four or five weeks, the honeymoon was over, and we weren't giving away a bunch of free stuff every week, and so the numbers dropped, dropped that back down. But we have a solid 80, and, and between 80 and 90. So the primary goal is to get the gospel to the children, but we have a second goal, and that's to equip national believers. There in Cambodia, it's very, very vital, and very, very vital everywhere, but it's vital for the Cambodian people to be challenged to reach their own people. To be equipped, to be empowered, to reach your own people. Because they're more than willing to sit back and let the missionaries do everything. But we're not called there to go and do everything. We're called there to go win people to Christ, get them baptized, teach them how to glorify God by going out and winning people to Christ and getting them baptized. Amen? Same thing that you're called to right here in America. But the exciting thing about this picture, this is just four examples of four families that were greatly impacted because of the children's ministry there in Cambodia. There in the top left, of course, you know Michelle, okay? But you see, say, ha, that's her husband. He was reached through the children's ministry. To the right, we see Srelet and Sane. They're married today, okay? Um, They were reached through the children's ministry. They had no hope of hearing the gospel were it not for the children's ministry workers, okay? We see the couple here on the bottom left. We'll talk about them in a little bit, Uh, Vesna and Bore. Both basically street children, but reached with the gospel. And then we have Peter Run, and the red shirt was not reached through the children's ministry. Brother Buna led him to Christ, but his wife, Srenat, was reached through the children's ministry. And of course, my daughter-in-law, uh, Jason's wife, Nisa, was reached as a young junior high girl through the children's ministry. Talking about uh, this family here on the bottom left, Vesna and Bordere, I'm going to share with you briefly the power of the gospel and how when we here in Long Beach go out on our bus routes, we need to be very attentive, not just put in our time. By the way, bus workers, you don't build a bus route by going out and do 45 minutes visiting every Saturday. I'm here tonight really in part because of the bus ministry. Okay, back in 1984, when I got involved in bus ministry, began working with Cambodians through bus ministry, I remember those days. It was a different time. I get it. Those days, we didn't have things like video games where the kids would hide inside. Right? They were more accessible. But the gospel is still the same. Yep. The children still have souls. They need to be reached. Right? Amen. And it all boils down to how we interact with those bus kids and their families. So a half hour, 45 minutes, so we can check it off of our activity report, isn't going to build a bus route. Five, six, eight hours every Saturday might, maybe more. That was free, I'd throw that in. So, Bore's mother and father, very, very dysfunctional. We'll use that polite word. They were alcoholics. In fact, they were drunks. I never saw Bore's father but what he was drunk. Once in a while, he would come to church. He would sit in the auditorium, and tears would stream down his face the entire time I would preach. I knew he was under conviction, but he was not willing to turn to God and abandon. For him, he knew that that sin was keeping him from trusting Christ. You know, you can go to heaven and still drink. But for him, he knew that was his God. That was the thing he needed to give up, and he wasn't willing to do it. Kind of like the rich young ruler who was not willing to give up money to do what God called him to do. For this man, for Bore's father, it was alcohol. You know, it's always better if we just don't take that first drink. Right? You don't know where it's going to lead you. Say, well, I got freedom in Christ. Yeah, you do, but it may also destroy your life. 
But Bore's mother, uh, Jani, was also a drunk. But every week, several times a week, our, our, our children's ministry workers, and specifically Vanak, one of your national men, men that you helped to support, would go to her home every week and uh, spend time with Bore and always seek to witness to Johnny. And Johnny never wanted to hear it. She lived about three blocks in the church. She didn't want to hear it. She was sick and tired of not coming every week. But he would come every week. And you know what? After a while, every time she would see him, he would witness the same thing. And what would she do? She would begin cursing him. There's nothing worse than a drunken Cambodian woman that starts cursing you. I've had it done to me several times. Okay? It's rough. Okay? She would curse him. And sure enough, next week, he'd show up again. Same routine. And one day she actually asked him, Vanak, she called him Kamui, okay, nephew, what in the world's wrong with you? Are you nuts? You keep coming here every week. I don't want you here. You keep telling me the story about God. I curse you, and you keep coming right back. What is wrong with you? And he looked at her and he said, Ming, aunt, God loves you. Jesus doesn't want you to die and go to hell, and you need to be saved. And that shocked her. His compassion, his patience. Now I wonder how many of our bus kid parents might be in a similar situation, not open to the gospel. And I wonder how many of us try on a weekly basis to reach out to those parents. You know the primary goal of bus ministry is not just to bus a bunch of kids here to the property. It's to reach families with the gospel. That's what the bus, the bus ministry is not a transportation ministry. The bus ministry is a soul winning ministry of our local church. At least it should be. But we need to have a heart like Vanak had. And when he said, God loves you and that's why I keep coming back here and you curse me and that's okay. Because they curse Jesus. And you curse me, I'm going to come back again unless you move and I can't find you. And I'll still track you down. She said, you know what? If you love me that much, if God loves me that much, I want to hear more about God. And she got saved. Praise God for that. That's the power of the gospel. That's the persistence of a compassionate soul winner. Well, she got baptized here. You see her stomach distended. That's not because she's expecting a baby. She got liver disease probably a few months after she got, she got saved because of all the drinking, you know. On an almost weekly or for sure biweekly basis, she would come to our house with a plate. And on top of that plate would be several cucumbers. It's a very poor lady. Some of you know her. Very poor family. And she would come and she'd come into the property and she'd knock on the door and we'd see her coming. And we had one of those mirrors on our door that we could see out and they couldn't see in. And we'd see her coming. And very humbling because I knew the routine. She would come with the cucumbers, knock on the door, open the door and say, Pastor, these are for you. Thank you for bringing the gospel to me and my family. Wow. Very humbling. I don't know where she got the money to buy the cucumbers. She may have stolen them from the market. I have no idea, okay? But I know she was grateful for her salvation. About a year or so after this picture was taken, she became deathly ill because of cirrhosis of the liver, was put into a hospital. As a team, we gave personal finances to try to get her the best medical care that we could. But when it became evident she was going to die, there was, no, there was nothing we could do. 
her eyes, the whites of her eyes, were really the color of the yellow color of a Tweety Bird. And I say that sorrowfully. Color of Tweety Bird, imagine that. Okay. Uh, sin has a price that has to be paid. Yeah. Thank God her sins were paid for and she's with the Lord today. Yeah. But her body died because of sin. Okay. Sin always leads us to destruction. And so I'm there with her in the hospital, just me, her on the bed, and her mother sitting far away because her mother didn't like Christianity. But grandma was there in the hospital to be with her daughter. And Johnny starts talking to me and says, Pastor, I'm going to die, aren't I? I said, well, it's up to the Lord. She said, I have some requests. And she said, number one, do not allow the monks to touch my body when I die. I want a Christian funeral. Amen. That's a huge deal in Cambodia. One of the strongholds that keeps people from accepting Christ of an older age is where am I going to be buried? You see, there's filthy rumors in Cambodia that if you become a Christian and you die, the Christians are going to take your body and throw it out on the street. Let the dogs eat it. She, she was born again. She knew we would be compassionate. We said, okay, we got that. We'll have a Christian funeral. She made a second request that I won't share with you. But the third request was this. Would you take my daughter, Bore, who was about 12 at that time, take her to be your own, take her to be your daughter, protect her, provide for her. And I made the promise. I said, we will make sure she's protected and taken care of, provided for. Now, I have three sons. I didn't have a house conducive to bring in a strange girl to be our daughter. Thank God for one of our national families who was one to the Lord. I think Brother Keel and some of the other men led him and Beth to Christ about 10 years ago or so. They had one daughter the same age as Bore, and they gladly took her in to be their daughter. Well, Bore began to grow. We'll tell her story a little bit more in a minute. So we got Vesna. Vesna was a street kid. Started coming to our bus ministry, to our children's ministry. His job in life, he had dropped out of school as a young junior high kid. His job to support himself, because his parents didn't support him, his job was to go out and collect recyclables and try to sell them, and also to take people's garbage and take it out to the dump for them. That's how he supported himself. He was a really rough character. Actually, this picture right here, he's looking really good compared to the way he looked when he first started coming to children's ministry. He had no hope of ever Becoming anything in life, humanly speaking, but definitely going to heaven when he dies. No hope whatsoever. In fact, the truth of the matter is, if it wasn't for our church, the children's ministry, churches like yours making it possible for him to hear the gospel, he would probably either be in prison today or dead. He lived a really rough life. But the gospel made the difference because of the children's ministry. And today, they're married. Vesna is a senior in the Bible college. Bore helps to lead our teen girls, and the best part is they have a little baby named Janessa. Janessa, Lord willing, will grow up in an environment, never seen her parents drink and fight and gamble, never experienced having a mother and a father both die of cirrhosis of the liver, but instead Vanessa will grow up in a Christian home because of the children's ministry. So one of the goals is to see young people raised up, not just to hear the gospel, but then to be developed into young leaders there at the church and to be able to serve the Lord. But then the third goal is to see the children's ministry reach entire families. And that's what I just said the purpose of our bus ministry is, is to reach families. 
Okay? Moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and uncles and aunts. And so we're seeing that take place there. I just want to show you three families quickly that were reached in the last two and a half to three months because of children's ministry. The week after week, the workers would go to the homes and visit the children. Like Rata, the little boy here in the blue shirt, he comes to our children's ministry. I think his name is Ratana, actually. And, um, but every week, the workers will try to build relationships with the parents and win them to Christ and share the gospel. And make a long story short, uh, Bunaret, who's there that i am got my arm on his shoulder, a retired military officer, 30 years in the military. He lives there in our village. He accepted Christ because of the children's ministry. Praise God for that. Amen. When he got saved, he was so hungry for the word of God that he spent about four days to fill out a hundred question booklet about the book of Mark so that on Sunday morning he could, he could receive a free Bible from the church. That's how hungry he was once he got saved to grow in the Lord. I wonder if we have that type of hunger here in America. Yeah. Typically it would take new believers a month, maybe two months to fill out that booklet. He did it in about four days. Wow. A few days later, his wife accepted Christ, Sophie. They both got baptized right before we came here to the States. We have Sakun and Sapat. They were part of a fake church near our village that didn't preach the gospel, that was based totally on law, based totally on good works, and also paid people to go to church. Well, they've been going to church there for years. They thought they were Christians. But as they began meeting our young people and meeting our young couples and understanding about the gospel, they came to understand Man, they're lost and on their way to hell. They had just embraced a cultural Christianity, but they didn't have a saving relationship with Christ. So Pat trusted Christ first. He's, um, I believe, 65 years old. Sakun is 55. They both trusted Christ. They're faithful in church. They're baptized. Now they're burdened to see their adult children trust Christ. How did they get saved? Through the children's ministry. Through the children's ministry. We have Soknuan. Soknuan is the niece of our village chief. The same thing. We don't have time to tell her story. But she accepted Christ because of children's ministry. Now, three goals that we have to, uh, Lord willing, take place during 2024. We'd like to see a ministry established in a mountain area about 15 minutes from where our church is. Okay, known as Phnom Prasat. And that area, because our time's out tonight, maybe I'll share Sunday night. We have some wonderful, wonderful contacts that we believe within probably six months is going to lead to a new church plant in that area. We'll talk about that briefly in a moment, maybe more extensively on Sunday night, Lord willing. Break Pano, 20 minutes east, an area that's really saturated with a lot of Vietnamese, an area where child trafficking is not unheard of. It's fairly common. Okay? And then Batambang, an area about five hours or so to the northwest, and um, that's, Lord willing, on the radar for uh, 2024. Um, I don't think I have time to talk about these folks, but I'm going to share with you. This picture here was taken last night, Thursday night in Cambodia. These are all brand new contacts that three months, four months ago, we didn't know of one of these people. We began, Debbie and I began going, going soul winning in a certain area, about 15 minutes from our church, and trying to meet people, and we didn't meet any of these people. But you know, I believe as we're faithful, you and I are faithful to sow seeds, yep. God sometimes causes us to reap a harvest from a totally different direction. Yep. Have you seen that happen? Yeah. And so we believe that's what's happening here. Uh, God basically dropped, with the exception of three families on the very bottom, 
all of these other families here are related to this man, John and Sokuan. John and Sokuan were part of one of these fake churches for years. John's grandfather was a CMA Cambodian pastor right here in Long Beach. I met him 30-something years ago at a conference. Okay, A kind of well-known Cambodian pastor here in the States. Well, that's his grandfather. This is his grandson, rather. And how did this man get to know our church? Well, he had, he had been disillusioned with his church. He had quit for about two years, said, I'm done with church. None of these pastors know what they're talking about. They don't preach the Bible. They don't even preach true doctrine because this man was a believer. John and Sukun were both saved. But their pastor, their church was not right. So they became disillusioned and quote-unquote worshipped at home. Well, how many of you know, parents, when we become disillusioned with our church and start worshipping at home, we might be okay ourselves, maybe, although we are not being faithful to what God called us to do, to be together, but our children normally don't make it. By the way, we get all discombobulated with leadership at church. Before we pull out of here, be real careful because our decision will have direct impact on the future of our children. That's very important to remember. Very important to remember. So he pulls out, two years, no church, but still tried to walk with God, but his children weren't going for it. His children went totally back to the world because actually his children weren't saved. They weren't in church. Nobody was preaching truth to them other than dad, and they just had it. They weren't going to worship at home. They had better things to do on Sunday, so they thought. But one day, this man was at the print shop on the main road that was run and owned by Peter Run, the man in the red shirt that Buna led to Christ 10 years ago. Peter Run is the owner of that shop. Peter Run gave him a gospel track. Make a long story short, John and his wife, uh, Sakun, came and visited our church for a couple of weeks, and they said, you know what? This is the kind of church we want to be in. We're like, well, praise the Lord. We don't get transfer members. There's no such thing here in Cambodia, okay? There's no, no, no church that can get mad, you know, members get mad at their pastors, so we're going to go to Pacific Baptist. They don't exist, right? But this family was part of a fake church. They knew the Lord. Hey, we want to be part of Pacific Baptist, so they started coming. But shortly, probably two or three weeks after they started coming, they began bringing different families with them. I'm like, well, who's that? That's the kind of new members you like, right? Yeah. Come to find out, these are all relatives. Children, son-in-laws, daughter-in-laws. And so we understand that most of, their children, most of his children aren't saved. Check this out. They have names like Luca, Matai. What is Luca? What do you suppose in English? Luke, Matai, Matthew, okay. Naomi. What's that in English? Naomi, okay. <laughs> Bunch of different Christian names. Why? Because Grandpa, the CMA pastor, named the grandchildren. But the grandchildren didn't know God. But thank God, um, last night, uh, we've been trying to figure out what to do. Because, you know, when, and I preached this in the college this morning, we, want, we don't want to be an evangelistic church in Cambodia. We want to be a soul winning church. There's a vast difference. Okay, both relate to the gospel, but one is being faithful to Christ's command, and one is kind of shirking our responsibility and dumping it off on someone else. An evangelistic church, evangelistic mindset is like this. Hey, I'm going to invite my unsaved friends to come and sit in these chairs and hope that pastor can preach and get them saved. By the way, if you don't know how to share the gospel, come to discipleship training and learn how to share the gospel. Amen? And if you can't share the gospel with someone, invite them to come. Absolutely. But really, this is family reunion for God's children. And someone who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ typically is going to be really offended 
by things that are set up here on this platform. Because they're dead in trespasses and sins. And we're not commanded to go out and bring unsafe people into church. You know what we're commanded to do? We're commanded to come here, be built up, edified, sometimes rebuked, corrected, strengthened, empowered, cast vision, and go out and win our friends where they're at. That's called soul winning. Okay? And so that's what Peter N. was trying to do. And that's what we're trying to do at church. And so every Sunday, we don't fully preach the gospel, but we know these young people, they need to be saved. So what can we do? Well, thank God, uh, one of our men, one of our national men came up with this vision. Let's start a new midweek service at John's house. Thought about it for a little bit. (sighs) Midweek service. We have a midweek service. But our midweek service is not about preaching the gospel, but we want these folks to get saved. So we started a brand new midweek service last night. These are all family members. A couple workers there. You know what John did? John took a room in his home, knocked out a concrete wall so it was big enough to accommodate all of his family because he wanted all of his children to be at the midweek service so they can hear the gospel. Well, here's the exciting thing. These people are the ones that used to run the fake church on top of the mountain led by the Koreans because the Koreans don't know how to speak the language. The Koreans don't even know the gospel. The Koreans had to use money and medicine and food and free education to get members. And now that John has quit, almost all of the church has quit. So there's a building sitting on top of the mountain. Guess who owns the building? John. Guess who owns the land? John. Guess who's not happy about it? The Koreans, okay? So God will have to deal with that. We ain't there to battle with people. Okay, but Lord willing, we have a vision to reach that area. And hey, it'd be awesome if six months from now, we, these people won't be qualified to be preachers, but they can be qualified to sit in pews and help welcome new visitors. And they know hundreds of people in that mountain area. Lord willing, we're planning to start a children's ministry at their home, just 15 minutes from our church. We could easily bust those kids in, but here's the thing. John has a vision to reach the children in his neighborhood. So we're going to split up our children's ministry workers and start a brand new children's ministry on his land. Okay? And he's going to pay for the area that we're going to meet on. Amen? And I had one of our leaders, I said, Vanak, you've got to be really clear because you start working with children. We're getting kind of touchy there when it comes to the law there in Cambodia. I said, very, very important. We've got to figure out how to work with the village chief. So Vanak went and talked to John about it. Said, Bong John, we're concerned. We start having a couple hundred children come. Um, we believe that'll happen because, I mean, just his relatives alone, all his little nephews and nieces, it's going to be a bunch of kids. We're concerned about being a spectacle and getting in trouble with the government. So he went and checked with John, and John said, don't worry. My wife's father is the village chief. Cha-ching! <laughs> Praise God. Okay? So God is putting these things into place. Okay? Children's ministries. Pray about children's ministry. Okay? Uh, do your part here to reach children, reach families. But, you know, some of us in here, we ought to get a vision. We love bus, bus ministry. We ought to get a vision for how God could use our lives, our experience, to go to a place like Cambodia, maybe Laos, maybe northern Thailand, to reach children. Because we're not just reaching children, we're reaching whole families. Okay? So thank you, fam- uh, church family. Uh, we, we need to end with that. I don't have time to talk about these folks. But uh, Lord willing, Sunday morning we'll continue on with some preaching, but also with some testimonies from the field. Thank you for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Okay? Let's pray. Hand it back to Pastor. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to be here in your house. 
Lord, I thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy here in America to meet without fear. Lord, I thank you for the power of the gospel, the changes, the hope that it's given us in our lives. Obviously, our eternal destiny, Lord, but our day-to-day living, may we reflect a joyful Christian life that others need to see. Lord, I pray that you would work in each of our hearts as we hear stories from the field, as we're reminded of your goodness in our lives. May each one of us be willing to do whatever you would call us to do in the days to come. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, guys.